celebrating 100 years of service. I'm Christian Blood. 55 KTSA. And right now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show, and look who's back in the saddle. It's Jack Riccardi. I'm the reason they call it that. <laughs> we were starting to forget. They, uh, I'll bet. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, kind of, this is kind of a shocking story. Uh, I was just reading, uh, Christian about, uh, Shakira. The singer Shakira mm-hmm. is facing an eight year prison sentence in Spain for tax fraud. Right. And she, uh, misrepresented her earnings, they're alleging. For several years, millions of dollars. So it turns out her hips do lie. Jack, I think the key word here is alleging. I just want to see this unfold a little bit more. There was some controversy maybe three or four years ago surrounding Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll say her hips might lie. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They could. All right. They might be lying. All right. That's right. Well, it's good to be back and welcome and good afternoon, everybody. And um, this is how bad things have gotten. Things have gotten so bad that we're worried about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. I mean, th- this is how bad it is. We need Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who's on an Asian tour. She's left for a, a tour of Asian nations. We need her to go to Taiwan. This is a big, this is like a big standoff at high noon moment where, uh, her people are being kind of cryptic. The Taiwanese are saying she's coming. We're having a, a visit from the, you know, a, the, the woman who's a heartbeat away from the presidency, third in line of succession after, or second in line of succession after the vice president. It's a major deal for Taiwan, an American ally. And China is saying crazy things like we might shoot the plane down. She better not go. This will start a war. So Beijing is flipping out taiwan is rolling out the red carpet and i you know i think it's funny that we're talking about it because you know nancy pelosi is not one of my favorite people not somebody i admire but our country is in such bad stead in the world this administration has put us behind the eight ball so badly that this now constitutes taking a stand like this this now represents a shred of dignity and relevance and steadfastness to our allies the chinese clearly see joe biden as so weak so manipulate manipulable <laughs> that's a word that um this country's in terminal decline, and their ascendance is guaranteed. And I was reading, uh, you know, we have Gordon Chang on the show a lot, and he had read it, written an analysis of this, and he said the other thing that may be going on here is that the Chinese have a lot of internal problems, and it's possible that this moment represents a little regime insecurity on their part. But I just think it's incredible that We've come to this moment where a Nancy Pelosi trip has geopolitical significance. By the way, wasn't it the Democrats who scolded Trump for being insensitive to or upsetting U.S.-China relations? You know, he was, he was like a bull in a China shop and he was ham-fisted and he was, 
Uh, he didn't. He didn't care about the nuances of diplomacy. G- going to Taiwan is, you know, pretty. That's that's pretty much in their face. I mean, I'm not saying she shouldn't do it, but it's funny how all of a sudden it's okay to do that. It's just sort of like right, like two quarters of uh, GDP decline is only a recession when they're in charge, but when we're in charge, oh, it's more complicated. So a lot of people are talking about um, monkeypox. I'm not really worried about it, are you? But a lot of people are talking about it. It's, it's, a, it's a world health emergency. It's, it's going to be, it's the next COVID. Do you believe that? Think of how I know it's not. In um, San Francisco, they've announced that they're going to hold an annual gay sex festival called Up Your Alley. (laughs) Of course it is. Um, This weekend. Even though the city of San Francisco has declared a local health emergency over monkeypox. Now, I'm so old, I remember when local health emergencies meant you had to cancel everything. You had to keep everybody home. You had to shut down mass transit. You had to tell people not to go to work. You had to tell people not to go to the store unless it was vital, and then to just grab a few things with a mask on and run out of there. We were telling businesses to close. We were keeping kids home from school. If if that's what you do in a health emergency, then why would you have an event that specifically involves the population, gay men, who are most vulnerable to and are almost exclusively the ones uh, contracting or transmitting monkeypox, right? But it's like, oh, this one's different. So it was okay to tell us your lives are over. Your business is over. But on this one, up your alley can go on as usual. It's interesting. By the way, um, just an update, we're not having a recession. This is not a recession. It feels like one. It looks like one. It smells like one. It tastes like one. But it's not a recession. It's just recession-y. It's the word we're going to start using. By the way, Paul Krugman, the economist in the New York Times says not only are we not having a recession, but the riots in 2020 didn't happen. He says that the BLM riots that the conservatives always talk about are a dystopian myth. It's a good thing we have the left to tell us all the things that we think are going on that really aren't. Biden's decline, China's rise, riots, out-of-control crime, recession. None of what you see is actually happening your own eyes are lying to you the democrats are in bad shape though i mean think about this they are so bad right now their poll numbers are so bad their prospects for the midterms are so bad that now their big strategy for the fall is to try to pick who their republican opponents will be so this has become a big thing where Democrats are openly, and this is being talked about, this isn't, I'm not giving you some tinfoil hat conspiracy or something, 
we know they're doing it. They admit they're doing it. They're talking openly about doing it. Democrats are donating money, big money, to the political campaigns of what they consider to be unelectable Republicans. In other words, the only hope they have of winning a Senate race, a House race, a governor race, is if they if they get to run against the weirdest, wackiest person the Republicans have to nominate. So that's who they're giving their money to. <laughs> They've given up on winning it on the merits or their record or we have a better idea. Let's see if we can pick an opponent so weak, so vulnerable, that maybe he gives us a shot. Now, is that election meddling, do you think? Because we hear a lot of talk about that, right? We hear a lot of talk about election meddling and putting a finger on the scale and the 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 danger that poses to our democracy we need we need free fair elections what does it say when the party that is screaming the loudest about election integrity is doing this it, it's not illegal but what does it say and what does it say about a party that claims to be all about free and fair elections, the 2016 election, the 2020 election, but now you're giving money to people who actually are election deniers, who say Biden didn't win. So your party is giving them money. No wonder Democratic voters are just discouraged. It's not that they're all leaving. They're just not feeling very strong about going out and voting. And that's the thing about Trump, too. Just like they need to pick the weakest Republican if they are to have any kind of a shot in any of these races all around the country, they, it's, it's pretty clear they need Trump. Trump, for example, Trump is what saves, the Wall Street Journal had an editorial about this, Trump is the only thing that saves Joe Biden from Hunter Biden. If Trump is Biden's opponent or whoever the Democrats run, in 2024, then the media pivot from the Hunter story back to Donald Trump. But if Trump isn't there, then Hunter is there. They really need the Democrats, the Bidens, the media. They really need Trump. I'm not sure he's the right choice for the Republicans, but he's the right choice for everybody else. Think about that. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is on a an Asian junket, and uh, the Taiwanese government says she's coming to Taiwan. She'll be there tomorrow. Uh, the the communist Chinese are doing backflips. They're freaked out. They've even hinted in their in their state media that they would shoot down her plane. I don't think they would do that. But my point is how how interesting that now it's okay to you know, get all up in their grill. But when Trump did it, it was, oh, it's dangerous. It's They're scary. I, I, everybody's just making it up as they go along, right? You get that feeling? Except you and me, of course. We're not making it up. 210-599-5555. So Nancy Pelosi's trip to China now represents like a who's going to blink first moment. That's what we've come to. That's That's what... That's what getting Joe Biden as your president gets you. It gets you these kinds of moments at becoming significant. 
It shouldn't be, but now it is. And, of course, China is already planning to invade Taiwan. You know, it's irrelevant whether Nancy If they use Nancy Pelosi's visit as the, 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 the pretext, they were going to do it anyway. 210-599-5555. I'll tell you what's, what's probably meant more to them than whether she goes there or not is seeing what we did in Afghanistan and leaving all that equipment behind and the way we got out. That told them all they needed to know, the communist Chinese, about what it's like to have America as your ally at this point. 210-599-5555. So I'm a little confused. Um, we've, we've got this thing called monkeypox. And, I, I mean, clearly it isn't in the same discussion as a respiratory virus like COVID. It's not the same thing. It doesn't have the same level of contagiousness. It doesn't. It, it, it isn't going to be the same experience, no matter what the federal government does or doesn't do or the WHO. But all of a sudden, it seems like we have a different set of rules here. Under COVID, it was all right to tell people, no, you can't. We're taking that away. Don't even question it. Get in your house and shut the door. We don't want to hear from you. Don't be a denier, right? If you question things, you're a denier. So we know with monkeypox, we know who the at-risk population is. Wouldn't the obvious thing to do would be to take an event like this sex festival in San Francisco and, and shut that down? I mean, wouldn't that be crystal clear? It tells you everything you need to know about how political public health policymaking has become. We now, we, we now know, basically, which lines they will cross and which lines they won't. There, there are Americans who they will shut down and lock up in their houses, and Americans they won't. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but it would seem to me that if you've got a high risk of transmission with gay men having sex, you would, if, if for no other reason than out of concern for them, you would say, hey, you can't, you can't have this thing. Have it next year. By the way, somebody noticed that the media all of a sudden can't say, ever since they started reporting on monkeypox, they can't say gay sex. It's like the memo went out. You can't call it that. It's got a new name now. Listen to this. This is a disease uh, that the majority of people who have it in this country are, are men who have sex with other men. Mm-hmm. Uh, men who have sex with men. Male-to-male sexual contact. Men who have sex with men. Male-to-male sexual contact. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with other men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who've had sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Men who have sex with men. Um, it almost sounds like that remember that law in florida that they were calling don't say gay which it wasn't that but remember they called it that well now we have the don't say gay law in the media when did it become men having sex with men it's gay sex until now 210-599-5555 and and yeah we're coming up on the midterms 99 days to go as of today 
And it's pretty clear that the economy is going to be a big factor, and it's pretty clear that people know that we're in the dumpster, regardless of what you tell them, regardless of whether you use the R word or not, regardless of whether you revise definitions and statistics. We, we know what we're experiencing. We know how we're hurting. It's probably not a great look to tell people who are hurting, oh, no, you're not. Things are great. You, you don't know how good you have it. That's probably not a winning strategy for a political party. I mean, we'll see. It's an interesting strategy. It's an interesting experiment. We're going to see how it plays out for them. But that's, that's the move right now from the Democrats. But the other thing they're doing is they are very openly funding the craziest Republicans in multiple Republican races. So in races where there's a crowded Republican field for a gubernatorial nomination or a senatorial nomination or congressional, they're, they're finding the wackiest guy, the tinfoil hat guy, the black helicopter guy, the denier of this and the denier of that guy or, or, or gal. And the Democrats are funding that candidate. This was being debated on ABC's This Week and USA Today's Susan Page made an interesting point about it. Cut number five. Risky because sometimes the candidate you don't expect to win turns out to be stronger than you think and they win and then they're in office. And it's hypocritical because Democrats have been saying that election deniers threaten our very democracy. So you're going to go out and in effect campaign for an election denier uh, because you've got made a political calculation that it might serve your interest. Uh, I think it means Democrats seed the high ground on this they're seeding the high ground i don't know i mean they they may wind up getting people elected who are exactly what they claim is wrong with this country because when you have several candidates say you have five six seven people running it doesn't take much to win it doesn't take much to build momentum. Funny things can happen, and uh, and and this is very openly what they're what they're doing. They're giving their money to people who they think will be easier to knock off, but that only works if they knock them off. And I'm not saying that Trump is the craziest person the Republicans could run. He's you know, <laughs> but but in a way they need him in the same for the same reasons. They need a guy who takes the focus off of them and what they've done and how they've performed, who who makes you forget. I don't mean that you would forget, but makes the average person forget about Hunter Biden, forget about the money from China, forget about all of that. They're counting on Trump. I'm not saying you shouldn't support him. Do whatever you want. But the Democrats want this rematch more than anybody wants it. Because then they can just go back to that playbook. And, and of course, they'll run some of the plays on whoever the Republicans nominate, right? If the Republicans do nominate DeSantis or somebody else, that, that person will be worse than Trump, right? They've already got that figured out. But there's something about Trump that just gives them a lot of breathing room, a lot to hide behind. And, of course, he'll generate on an hourly basis tweets and controversy and stuff that they know will make this race about him and about emotions for him and against him. And he fires up Democrats. I mean, think about it. They don't have anybody in their party. 
that gets people as excited as Donald Trump does. They don't have anybody that makes, and you know this if you have like a Democratic brother or sister or friend or somebody you, you work with, and you know, nobody gets their heart pumping. Nobody gets their blood boiling. Nobody gets them passionate in the Democratic Party or on the left like Trump. They don't have a leader who does that. Certainly not Biden. Todd is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Todd, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Uh, glad to hear you back, brother. I'm calling from central Missouri, up here in the great red state of Missouri, and um, I heard you talking about, you know, changing the term from gay sex to men having sex with men or, you know, whatever the left is trying to describe something as queer behavior. It's just queer. You can't change abnormal to normal just by declaring it's normal and not abnormal anymore, in, in my opinion. And and um, I, I appreciate you taking my call. I have to call into a station in San Antonio, Texas, clear up here from central Missouri, because everyone up here is getting woke. They're going woke. The radio station that I used to listen to here has censored all the all the right-thinking people. And I just want to say, Jack, and, and thanks to Christian for going down there and introducing me to your station, that you're one of my must-listen-to shows. And I appreciate you taking my call, sir. Okay. Well, thank you, Todd. Yeah, I I don't even know if it's a, so much normalizing it, but what what I find interesting here is that during COVID, everything could be justified in the name of we're saving you from yourself. Okay, you you want to go and do this, you want to go and do that, you want your kid in school, you don't know. You're so stupid that you'll kill yourself. You'll bring it home and kill everyone in your family. So we have to lock you down. We have to deem businesses essential and non-essential, which, boy, that must have been a power trip. Can you imagine the rush that must have given the people that got to deem essential and non-essential? I just, I just picture them sitting like on a throne with a jeweled scepter. You know, you are essential. You are non-essential. We go from that, right? You don't know anything. You can't make any decision. You can't assess your own risk. We go from that to, oh, yeah, have the sex festival. No prob. Now, that's just politics. That's not science. Don't tell me it's the party of science. You could even, you could even make the argument that don't, don't you care about those guys? I mean, whatever your view is, I, I get Todd doesn't like him, but... I'm a live-and-let-live guy, but look, if you care about people and what happens to them, and you know there's a virus that almost exclusively transmits through that activity, and we didn't know that about COVID, right? We didn't know, absolutely know, if you did this, if you did that, you'll get COVID. This is a very high-risk behavior. Where are the Where are the shutdowns? Where are the cancellations? Why aren't the... People that were on their high horse, the the you know the public health mandarins. Where are they now? Where are the orders? They were arresting people for walking on the beach in New Jersey by themselves. Where is all that now? And the answer is, well, that's a political constituency they don't want to piss off. Pardon my language. And that's the only reason. That's the only difference. It was okay to do that to you, but they won't do it 
to the gay men in San Francisco. It, whether it makes sense or not, they won't do it. 210-599-5555. So we were, we were talking about how uh, the, the Democrats remind me of, um, you know, when you watch those movies where the ship is sinking, you know, the, the Titanic or whatever, there's that moment where people go from maybe it's not so bad or maybe, it, you know, maybe it's going to be okay to, you know, run for your lives, every man for himself. They're throwing themselves over the railing, and that's, the, that, that's where the Democrats are right now. They're throwing Biden over the railing. That there's, there's people out there that, you know, they're running as Democrats, won't say his name, don't want him to come to their state. And then I was, you know, reading over the weekend about the the tax deal that Schumer and Manchin came to. I suppose if you've seen the poll numbers, you're the Democrats, you've seen the poll numbers, and you know how bad it's going to be, you might as well break your tax promise. Remember, Joe Biden, the candidate, said no tax increases on anybody over four, you know, anybody under four hundred thousand dollars a year income. Right, and um, now we're in a recession he created, and we have something called the Inflation Reduction Act, which will, for all practical purposes, be a tax increase on everyone, and inflation already is a tax increase on everyone. So at this point, I'm almost thinking the Democrats might as well just try to get everything they've ever wanted because they can't go any lower in the polls. And they don't know if they'll have another chance anytime soon. I mean, things could change. Things could turn around. The world can turn on a, you know, in the blink of an eye. But, but right now it looks like they're going for broke. And people were talking about, oh, this is very disappointing for Manchin and all that. You gotta remember, Joe Manchin wasn't a, like a Republican secret agent or a, a double agent. Joe Manchin was a Democrat from a state that whose interests do not align with the Democrats. So all this time that you've thought, well, he's, this guy's really different. What's, what's like the cut of his jib? I would have people write to me and go, I want him to run for president. I'll vote for him. All, all this time, all that. All his uh, obstinance and his opposition has been about is balancing the party he's in and the state he's from. That's all it is. And the more polarized we get, the fewer and fewer people you have like that. There used to be a lot of people like that. There used to be a lot of people who had to walk a tightrope between the local politics back home and their party. But because of the polarization, because both parties are in the grip of their extremes... There's really very few people left doing that. And he was on, I don't know if you, did you see the Brett Baer interview with Joe Manchin? I mean, Brett Baer is a, is a prep guy. I, I, I love the way he does his, his show. And he did his interview with Manchin where he was, he was confronting him with his own prior language, saying that when there's a recession, you should never mess with or increase taxes. And he was pushing the line that we're not in a recession. He's in the past. He's resisted the Green New Deal because more spending will make things worse. But now here he is doing a spending program. And by the way, 
Have you noticed anything that comes from Washington with a name? Whenever they give a bill or a program a name, you can always be sure that it will do the opposite of whatever the name says. So the Inflation Reduction Act, if you just know like Economics 101, will explode inflation. It's more gasoline on the fire of inflation. You have to stop pumping money into the, you know, into the economy. And they can't do it. And this is probably something that's been a long time coming. You know, I, remember, I remember hearing my dad talk about this when I was a kid, that the, the more the government gives people, the more they will expect, the more they will look to the government when they are hurting, when they need something, when they want something. And government is politicians, and politicians will give you what you want, whether it's good for you or not. You know, your parents, if they loved you, wouldn't let you eat a whole jar of peanut butter because they knew you'd get sick and throw up and be miserable. Government is the parent that lets you have it. In fact, says you need it. And here's a bigger spoon so you can gobble it down faster. That's what they're doing right now. 210-599-5555. Dan is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Dan. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. I love your show, just like the guy in Missouri. I used to live in San Antonio. I started listening to you there. I just wanted to comment a few things. One is, why is nobody talking about the effect of lockdowns in the current inflation. If we're honest about inflation and the recession we're now in, uh, it all harkens back to the lockdowns and the packages that were passed mm-hmm. at first under both uh, parties. Mm-hmm. And then, yep. you know, uh, what was it, like March 2021, it was under uh, the Democrats only. So both are to blame. You know, both yep. parties love fiat money. So let's just have an honest conversation about that. Uh, as far as the uh, arrogance that these people have on deeming your job essential and non-essential, I hope people learn that this can never happen again. There's a wonderful uh, essay by uh, Leonard Reed that's uh, titled I Pencil, which essentially says you can't even make a pencil without the interdependence of the importance of every job. So even if you tattoo people, mm-hmm. anything, you pay taxes. So we mm-hmm. all help each other. Every job is mm-hmm. essential. And last but not least, I was listening to uh, today's uh, press uh, conference with um, KGP. Is that how you, how they call her? Uh, Karine Jean Pierre. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, it's funny how it's funny how she she mentioned something about gas prices and how we've had like the lowest decrease. I mean, the highest decrease in uh, in over a decade of gas prices of like forty cents. And nobody asked a question about anything regarding the economy. Instead, they were just asking questions about Biden's effective vaccine and the COVID situation that he's going through yeah. for like the you know tenth time. Anyway, so I just love your show. Um, my whole point is, let's just have a conversation on lockdown yeah. and inflation. Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're right on the money about that. And thank you for the kind words, Dan. It's one of the things I love about talk radio is that we can have these conversations when you do. And I, I'm not making excuses for the for the journalists at the White House, but when you do like television news, if you go to that briefing, your job is to make something happen that can be, uh, you know, compressed into a thirty second, you know, soundbite. Um, and yeah, you're not going to have. You're not. I mean. You're probably not going to have a deep discussion with KJP about economics anyway, but you're, you're certainly not going to squander the opportunity for a soundbite by going deep and, 
and 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 asking more substantive uh, questions. I, I, at least that's my view. As a radio guy, I think they're looking for something quick and small and short and punchy. And on talk radio, we can delve into it a little more. We can have back and forth. Um, there's no question that starting with the response to COVID under Trump and continuing under Biden, the in- inclination to keep you home and send money is literally the worst combination of things we could possibly have done. If we had told you to go out and lick doorknobs, if we had told you to go out and, and, and you know, kiss everyone you met on the street, we couldn't have had a worse response to COVID than those two things, pumping all kinds of artificial dollars into the economy and locking everybody down and closing businesses. We're still not, right, you know, you go around, things are not back to the way they were. We broke this economy. We broke businesses that have not come back. Some of them are never coming back. And I don't want to hear that it was the Great Reset, because that makes it sound like we planned this, and maybe somebody did, but you didn't. I didn't. I didn't say, well, I really hate this 2019 economy. Let's break it and start over again. But that's what we did. That's what they did. And they shouldn't get away with it. Dan said something at the start of his call. He said, this should never happen again, or I hope that this will never happen again. I believe it's happening again right now. And I think we're falling for it, maybe not you, right now so never again it's too late for never again it's just again raul is on ktsa hi raul hey jack how you doing good how are you awesome awesome i appreciate you taking my call i'm just calling to chime in on the economics economics is everything money involved and uh we are the divided states instead of the united states as far as that goes but uh, the most recent events can show and prove that from California to Texas to Florida. Outside of that, economics goes with cryptocurrencies. And uh, one view on uh, financial advisors' take that I just recently saw was that his belief was that COVID and all this stuff started happening so they could bring cryptocurrencies along. And now there's over 40,000 vendors to include Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond, Lowe's, that accept cryptocurrencies as payment. Nobody knows what a cryptocurrency is. I mean, so do you? Yeah, that's world. right. Do you? Are you saying that you believe? I mean, are you saying you don't believe COVID is a real thing, or are you saying that when it came along, they seized it as an opportunity? Well, as far as COVID being a real thing, there was a scientist uh, that I recently spoke to in a meeting, and he said that if COVID was real, for them to say that it was real, we should have been having our eyeballs covered as long. I think we I think we lost Raul. Um, like COVID is real, okay. And if you've just come up upon our show and you're new to our show, this is not that show. Okay, I had it. It's real. It's a real thing. I don't know if it was engineered by the Chinese or if they let it out of their lab or what. What? But it's a real. It's a real virus. You do not want to get it. Um, I do agree that there were people. There are people who saw a moment and maybe had been waiting for a moment and seized that moment. And I think a lot of what has flowed from the years 2020 and 2021 is the seizing of an opportunity, not letting a crisis go to waste. So I'm not 
way over here. It's not real. It doesn't exist. And I'm not way over there. Fauci's, you know, a demigod, and we had to do all that. But somewhere in the middle, you see where the politicians called all the shots. They they amassed more power. And they did the thing that they most like to do, which is inflate currency and pump money into the economy. The thing they most like to do is the is create the impression they're giving you money. But they didn't give you money that had value. They created money out of thin air and and therefore degraded the value of the money you already had, the money you earn. Like a lot of people got a raise, but the raise has been eaten up by that inflation. Or you had savings, or you had a 529 for your kids to go to college, but now that's all declined. Or you had retirement savings, but that's all declined. So they like the illusion of we gave you, we saved you, we sent you help, American Rescue Plan. But all they did was hurt you. And they get away with it because there was a virus, and they get away with it because people don't know Econ 101. I, I keep coming back to that because everything we talk about boils down to people being more susceptible to the lies politicians have always wanted to tell. But the less people know about how government works, less people know, the less people know about how uh, economics works, more susceptible they are to these ruses and these schemes. Politicians got everything they wanted out of this. They didn't lose anything. They got to make changes they wanted to make but wouldn't have been able to make in ordinary times or through ordinary, you know, the, the, the means and the channels of a democracy that wouldn't have been able to do it, wouldn't have been able to convince you to let them do it. But they got it by stealing it right in front of you and telling you to put a mask on over your mouth so you wouldn't say anything about what they were doing. Yeah, so we're hearing uh, that uh, President Biden will speak in about an hour and a half, and that this is about the uh, apparently a successful drone strike, a CIA drone strike on the current leader of Al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahiri. Uh, this was the guy, you may remember, who was uh, at bin Laden's right hand um, at the at the time of the planning of and the carrying out of the 9-11 attacks. Um, he's been, um, I think he was even, I think he was uh, bin Laden's physician. But anyway, he became one of his, you know, inside guys, trusted advisor, the nominal leader of Al-Qaeda after we killed bin Laden 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And um, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of, and we had just talked about this last hour, of the U.S. exit from Afghanistan. And apparently, now this is this is what everybody is reporting, this strike was against him near Kabul. And it raises, obviously, a lot of interesting points and questions, um, such as you would think a guy like this would be um, very hard to find, that there would be layers and layers of precaution uh, to hide where he is, where he stays, maybe different place every night, secretive movements. Um, so it raises the question, how did they get him? And I think, and I'm doing this from memory, so forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe there's a, 
a huge reward. I want to say like a $20 million reward or something like that uh, from the U.S. government. I mean, this guy's at the top of the most wanted list. So there, there's all kinds of possibilities as to how we found out where he was, how they got the intel. Obviously, they, they're not, we're not basing these attacks out of Afghanistan anymore. And, and so the, 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 Complication is even greater when you're not operating in the in the in the nest of these terrorists. But um, I'll be curious to know, and we won't learn it all tonight. We won't learn it all from President Biden. But uh, I'll be curious to know how they figured out where he was and why he was available to be droned. And what they're saying again, the early word is that it was uh, a, a hit on him that there were no civilian casualties. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, 210-599-5555. I mean, I, you know, all politics aside and whoever you voted for, ab- absolutely get these guys. I have no problem with that. Um, but I, I, I am curious about how they figured it out or who tipped them. And, and one of the reasons I wonder about that is because we have a bad habit in this country of talking so much about how we do stuff that we wind up endangering good people that ha- that have helped us. I'll give you an example. The way we found bin Laden, remember they, you know, SEAL Team 6 and that compound, the way we found him was a, a, a doctor. And we did, our politicians did so much yapping and they couldn't stop talking to the media that eventually uh, Pakistan found this guy and he's still behind bars. Now he's how we got bin Laden. But his reward is he'll probably never, he'll probably die in a jail cell and not, probably not a, you know, Amnesty International approved jail cell. And, and and you wonder, is it just in our nature? Are we just, is this just how we are? Or are we capable, I, I always think of like the Israelis. The Israelis, say what you will, they can pull something like this off and they'll tell you nothing. People can write books, speculate. And I always think about how, you've probably heard this story, after the uh, the Palestinian terrorists attacked the Israeli Olympic team in Munich 50 years ago, that's 50 years ago now, 1972, the Israelis went out and, and killed one by one those uh, terrorists, those killers. And they didn't hold a news conference every time they did it. They didn't go on television and put up charts and photos and easels. In fact, they said very little about it. And that's what they usually do. They'll strike. Their enemies know what they've done, but they usually don't say very much about it. We, we say too much. And then the people that have helped us pay a price for that. I hope that doesn't happen here. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. 210-599-5555. So that's going on. We've been talking about the uh, 
the non-recession recession. We've got uh, Nancy Pelosi flying to Taiwan, reportedly, supposedly, and the Chinese are furious about that. By the way, for all we know, this is not even about international relations or diplomacy. Knowing, knowing Nancy Pelosi and her husband, this this could be to pick up a check. This could be to this could be to make some kind of a business deal. Who knows? But China is basically waiting for its moment to attack Taiwan. Has been for years. And they've made it increasingly clear that they're not moving away from that or changing their mind about that or softening their position about that. And it it, it would be interesting if they decide to use her visit as like, that's the last straw. We'll see. 210-599-5555. So some of what's going on this afternoon and your chance to talk about it here on 550 and 107.1. KTSA. We've been talking also about the uh, the way that politicians responded to COVID and how that has directly led to the broken economy and the inflation that we have now. People need to understand that because we we hear about inflation like it blew in on the wind. Inflation is always a function of monetary policy. That's the only way to have it. That's exactly what causes it. And, of course, the response to inflation, as we speak, is we're going to pump more money into the economy. Exactly the worst thing to do. It's like hair of the dog. 210-599-5555. All right, so the president will speak at about 6.30 our time about what we think is a successful drone strike against the al-Qaeda leader, Zawahiri. And Pete is on KTSA to talk about that. Pete, good afternoon. Howdy, Jack. Welcome back, sir. So, uh, wasn't it, you were just saying, you know, 10 years or so ago when we got uh, Bin Laden, and I remember the whole uh, little midnight presser for that, the whole ladies and gentlemen, we got them bit. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Obama's numbers, uh, approval ratings were kind of not doing so hot. And it is, you know, a midterm year. So this is, it's just, to me, it seems, as you were saying, this guy should have been very hard to find, very hard to track. And I'm sure we'll maybe get the details on that. Um, at least I hope. I'd, I'd like to know the details, how we got this guy. Uh, but it, to me, this seems like a like a scramble to get some kind of approval numbers for uh, President Biden. I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Pete, but I got to tell you, I, I think he's in a way deeper hole. I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe Barack Obama's numbers were ever anywhere this low. Um, I don't think so either. But and I, I, I think this similar. is a different ball game. I mean, you know, like with Obama, the Democrats never gave up on him. In this case, the That's Democrats true. have given up on on Biden. And, and 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 I don't even. I mean, when you're talking about the kind of economic misery people are living in pumping the gas they're pumping, not being able to get baby formula. Can you imagine anyone, a real person, whose outlook would suddenly brighten because Zawahiri had been killed? Like, oh, that's what I've been waiting for. I don't, now I don't mind $5 gal, you know, a gallon gasoline. I mean, I just I can't see it working out for him, even if that was the intention. I, uh, I, I see it. It does sound a little outlandish now that you say it the way you say it. But, I mean, unless they can show me a body, I mean... I just want to see the proof that this guy's actually 
dawn. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I'm with you that I'm 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 very curious. I'm fascinated by this stuff. But I really wish our government was was more of the let your actions speak for themselves. Yes. Let your enemy fear that you could be anywhere around any corner. You could come out of any cloud. We just we talk too much about all this. We do. I mean, I feel like at one point we were that type of government, and uh, you know, as time wears on, it seems like we're less about action and more about talk. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, thanks for the call, though. Good to have you with us tonight. So the president is going to come out on television in a little over an hour, and he's going to announce, we think, that the CIA uh, killed with a drone Ayman al-Zawahiri, former uh, physician to and aide to OBL, in fact, part of the planning, in on the planning of the 9-11 attacks, the nominal leader of al-Qaeda uh, recently and that they killed him in or near Kabul, Afghanistan. And we, we were just talking, uh, last caller was just making the point, you know, Pete, I think Pete was his name, was saying, well, uh, you know, is this sort of a wag the, the, you know, wag the dog moment? Uh, but I think we're past that, don't you? I mean, first of all, it's, a, it's, it's an unalloyed good thing. It doesn't matter what your politics are. Uh, when you're talking about these terrorists, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I only hope he knew what was coming before it hit him. It, he probably didn't. But as far as whether or not, and I understand that your mind might go to this, as far as whether or not this is, this has been timed, or they they scrambled to do it with the midterms in mind. I, I got to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't put anything past any politician, but I think we're. You tell me what you think. I think we're way past the point where Joe Biden's presidency could be saved by a successful anti-terror operation. You know, it would require not only his hole, his political hole, to not be so deep, but also require people to believe that he is an active, engaged commander-in-chief. I don't think anyone believes that. I understand that's how he was marketed to us in 2019. You know, steady hand on the tiller, foreign policy experience, but that, that's, all, that's all blown up. That's all gone. I mean, the, the, the same, literally the same media organizations that were endorsing him, that were telling you he's the right choice, thank God he's come along, he's who we need are now saying he needs to leave office. Same people. Probably the same, literally the same writers. Certainly the same publications and media outlets. So I don't know that that it's going to have any kind of impact or make any kind of a difference. And, you know, when you're telling people it's a good economy, it's a strong economy, you should be very happy with it, and they're experiencing what they're experiencing, what we're all experiencing. I'm not sure there's a gesture or a headline that can save you. 210-599-5555. I'll never say never, but I'm not seeing that right now. And um, even when you think just like 11 years ago, okay, it was I think it was May of 2011, President Obama comes on television, announces that they've killed bin Laden. 
I mean, we. I, I think I can safely say if you're listening to this show, if you like listening to this show, you probably were not a big Barack Obama fan. And there was a lot of grousing and complaining and whatnot about uh, Obama taking credit and victory lap and spiking the ball and all of this. But people perceived that Barack Obama was not a figurehead. He was an engaged president. He was engaged in a lot of things we didn't agree with, but he was engaged. In other words, even if you hated everything he did, you believed he was in on it. I don't get that sense with Biden. This isn't Biden's presidency. Biden is the guy they they set out in front of it. This is not his presidency. And the scary part is we don't exactly know whose it is. 210-599-5555. So anyway, uh, we're going to wait on that and see what they have to say. And we've got your calls coming in about a number of things, including today's JR poll, which we're going to talk about. And Michael is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Michael, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Uh, that does nothing for me. Uh, it doesn't give me any relief from fuel prices or the economy or just the devaluation of any investments I have. Uh, it does nothing. I mean, it's, it's insulting, actually, that they even think that it would. Uh, and I, well, I mean, I'm not against doing it. I mean, it's their job to get these guys, and I'm all for it. Um, but if people are expecting it to move the needle, I, I don't see how it would. Oh, absolutely no. It, it doesn't move it for me at all. I just, uh, but then I, you know, I, you know, you, you made that little pinky swear sweetheart deal with them when you, when you uh, left, so that you could clear the way for uh, China to go and build their factories in there. Uh, I just don't anything the government. I just don't trust, and it's like you've said before. I, I don't trust either. I trust. Uh, I give more credence to the Republican Party, but they're all in cahoots. And they're not looking out for you or I. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Michael, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I saw a story today, Amazon laid off 100,000 employees in a single quarter of the year. Um, Every business story I read, and I don't read a ton of them, but I try to keep abreast of it, it, is people in the business world, it doesn't matter what their politics are, probably most of them are Democrats, probably most of them voted for Joe Biden, but... Um, business knows this is a a historically bad economy. And it's in a very precarious place because of all the inflated dollars floating around out there. In other words, we're not in an, an economy that we can quickly resolve. And... The, the, again, to use the analogy of digging a hole, we've dug, we've dug such a deep hole that it doesn't matter who wins the next election or the next three elections, it's going to be hard to get out of. And it's also going to be the case that we've broken some things you probably can't put back together again. I mean, we never had an economy where we demonized work, where we told people it was selfish to work. It was, it was, it was good to stay home. It was good to not work. That was an act, that was heroic. That's what we told people in 2020, 2021. A lot of them took it to heart. Feels like the right thing to do. 
I, I think if you watch what actual American businesses are doing, it gives the lie to the spin and the, you know, re- redefinition of words. God, I'm running out of. We've had so many words redefined. We've redefined recession. We've redefined woman. We've redefined vaccine. You name it. If it's a word in 2022, it's got a new definition. It's got a new meaning. Maybe, maybe dictionaries should just be printed on whiteboards. You know, we're on the air from four to seven on this show, but I'm always thinking, looking, checking stuff out. And so while I was off for a few days, I saw a story on KSAT about um, the Riverwalk is uh, listed as one of the top 20 most beautiful sites in the world and one of the top 10 in America. The Riverwalk is one of the top 10 most beautiful sites To give you an idea, we're right behind New York City's Central Park, the fountains of Bellagio in Las Vegas, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, right up there. And top 20 globally, most beautiful sites. We're the only Texas location to make these lists. And so I asked you on the JR poll today, powered by Stevens Roofing, is is the Riverwalk overrated, in your opinion? Is the Riverwalk overrated? Because that is high praise. I mean, that is really saying something. There's nothing more beautiful in Texas. There's only a few things more beautiful in the United States or the world. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Now, I'll tell you, um, when I have traveled, and maybe you've experienced this too, I am amazed at how many cities are trying to copy the Riverwalk. Have you noticed this? They even call it the Riverwalk. We were in Tampa for the, uh, this was 10 years ago, for the Republican Convention, and everybody was like, yeah, you've got to come see the Riverwalk. And we were at the convention center in Tampa. I think it was called the convention center, and it's on the Riverwalk. Their Riverwalk is like the fountain at a mall. <laughs> it's not that impressive. It's a body of water. There's nothing special. It's mildly decorative. If you've seen our Riverwalk, you would just kind of put your hand over your mouth and try not to laugh out loud. But oh, they were very excited. But there's a number of other cities that have a river walk. You probably have been around and traveled and had somebody say to you, "Oh, you know that river walk you guys have in San Diego? We have one too here in uh, you know Tulsa. You have to go see it. And it's never the same, right? Not even close." So I guess that's a feather in our cap or a point in our favor because. Obviously, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It's probably the most copied thing San Antonio has, is the Riverwalk. There's probably nothing we have that more other towns have emulated or tried to recreate than the Riverwalk. 
Do you think it's worthy of these uh, high rankings, or do you feel like it's overrated? 210-599-5555. And by the way, thinking it's overrated doesn't mean you hate it. Doesn't doesn't mean you you're a you know you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you don't like going there. But are you listening to these rankings, thinking, "Boy, I'm really not seeing that." I wouldn't put it up there, or maybe you'd put it higher. Maybe you'd say, "You know what? I think it's I think it should be ahead of Central Park. I think it should be ahead of the Golden Gate Bridge." Other things on the list, just so you know where we're uh, talking about here, the the Riverwalk is on par with. According to this uh, ranking from TripAdvisor, the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Millennium Park in Chicago, and the Boston Public Gardens in Boston. San Antonio Riverwalk coming in at number five, just behind the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Would you, would you agree with that, or do you think it's overrated? 210-599-5555. I think I've told this story before. I, When I came down here to take the job that brought me to San Antonio, which is not this job, um, Pat Rogers, the late, great Pat Rogers, picked me up at the airport. And they had flown me in for a job interview and for an on-air audition over at Brand X. And... Um, I assumed when he picked me up that it was to take me to the hotel. I didn't have a rental car yet. And um, he met me at the airport. And we got in his car. He had a big cream-colored Cadillac. It was <laughs> such, a, such a funny car for Pat to have. A very, If you knew Pat Rogers, very humble guy, very low-key. This was a pimpin' car. So anyway, we get in the, the big caddy, and we're not going to the hotel. So I think, well, maybe we're going to the radio station. That would also make certain sense. I could see that, maybe. No, we're not going there either. We're going downtown. And that's where we went. We went to the Alamo and the Riverwalk. I mean, my suitcases are still in the back seat. But we gotta, you got to see this first. They don't even know if they're going to hire me yet. But that's how strongly they felt about showing me the Riverwalk and showing me the Alamo. And when people come here the first time, right, it's like you got to go. Everybody goes. So a couple of things going on. We have the um, breaking news that there's been a CIA strike on um, Ayman al-Zawahiri and that they took him out in Kabul or near Kabul, Afghanistan. And, again, we're going to hear more on this as the evening goes on, and the president is supposed to come out and make some remarks at around 6.30 our time. We'll bring you those uh, if they happen before 7. And then um, a little lighter, there's a new list of the most beautiful sites in the U.S., and the Riverwalk is on it. And just to put this in perspective, no other location in Texas made this list. It's um, top ten most beautiful sites, according to, and this is from uh, people that commented on TripAdvisor, so they would go to places, and then they would call through the comments and the reviews people gave, and I guess they have algorithms to pick up certain words and certain reactions. And based on that, it was Central Park in New York, which is not, I, I, I'm, I'm not getting that at all, but okay. Central Park in New York, number one. 
Bellagio Fountains, number three. Um, a glass garden in Seattle. Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And the Riverwalk in San Antonio, number five. Guy is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Guy, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I get off work. Uh, I was telling you, you'll be there. Um, when I have people come in town, I always uh, take them to the San Juan mission off of uh, military. Uh, it's just much nicer. It takes more than five minutes to go through. There's a lot to see. Uh, it's not so commercialized. And then right across around the corner is Michio Kona Meat Market. You get real Mexican food, man. It's not like the the beans and the rice and the you know enchilada play. It's 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 the real deal. Um, mm-hmm. It's really nice. To and um, so you would say the missions are better a better attraction than the Riverwalk. Yeah, I just think it's it's um it's not so commercialized and uh, and they have a service there and Sundays you go to church and and, and you're in a two hundred year old mission. It's really really cool. Yeah. Uh, and you can yeah. walk around there for quite a while. Uh, it's just a bit a big place. Mm-hmm. And now it's got a lot of historic value, but you know, you know, five minutes you're in and out the door. It's just uh you know, and then and then reimagining Alamo, I'm kinda not happy with that. I think we should imagine it as it was and not through you know if they, you know, they're gonna spend yeah. this million. I'm not even happy with the, I'm not even happy with the word reimagining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I mean. it's kind, it I seems mean, like kind of a Right. They could, they, could, they could rebuild it like it was. They spend the millions of dollars like that. I mean, get some masons out there, put some rock in there, build it like it used to be. And that would be, to me, the way you can respect it and honor it, you know? Yeah. Thank you, Guy. I appreciate it. Um, this is probably a terrible analogy, but I'm a car guy. So for me, and don't take offense, this is just my own personal taste. When people take an old car, you know, really old car, and they restore it, meaning they um, refurbish, uh, replace, repaint, what have you, reupholster, and they restore it to its original condition. I really like that. That's that's my thing. But other people like hot rods and resto mods, where they you know they lower it and they shave it and they you know, drop in a modern drivetrain, and it, it, that's legit. I mean, that's that's okay for some people. That's not my cup of tea, but some people like that. That's, to me, that's reimagining the car. So if you take a 63 Impala SS and you restore it to the way it looked when it rolled off the assembly line, that's restoring it. What they're doing with the Alamo is they're resto-modding it. <laughs> they're, 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 they're putting on and in stuff other people wanted they're not pretending that this is what it was or what it originally started out as that's how i see it 210-599-5555 all right so we're awaiting details about the drone strike on zawahiri and matt is calling in about that on ktsa hey matt good afternoon hi jack uh on your recommendation i i read the looming tower and uh, in that, they really laid out just, uh, you know, what a impact uh, al-Zawahiri was on the ideology of al-Qaeda. And, uh, and if I recall correctly, it was actually his original idea to, uh, to uh, attack the uh, Twin Towers. And uh, I bought the uh, 10-part miniseries that they had, I believe, on Discovery Channel. I got the DVDs for it, and there's a scene in there 
Uh, I can't remember whether it's after 9-11 or if they had flashed forward and it was after uh, bin Laden had been killed. But it was a scene where al-Zwahiri was going to, you know, fade into the ether back into Pakistan over the border. And, uh, you know, I'm no fan of this administration, but if they they took this guy out, I'm all for that. And uh, the world's a better place without him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's right to do it. I don't know what the long-term effect of it is, because what you also, I'm sure, took away from Looming Tower is that this is an this is a uh, uh, an ideology or a whatever you want to call it that isn't doesn't live in in a, in a limited number of brains or isn't contained within a limited number of people, and when you keep cutting off the head, it just grows another head. Yeah. Uh, and, and in just, fact, in a way, even though you have to do these things, these things actually wind up contributing to more recruitment and more, um, you know, propaganda. So The Looming Tower that, that Matt mentioned is a book by um, Lawrence Wright, and it's about the decades-long, really about a 100-year history that led up to 9-11. And it's about the idea that when you take people that are miserable – and living like it's the seventh century, and you construct for them an explanation that's external. None of this is your fault. None of this is the fault of your culture or your the government you elected or the government you live under. All of this is the decadent West's fault. They've made you like this. They've kept you like this. You should hate them. You need to strike them. That's the That's how we got to this point. And our war on terror is basically measured in, you know, post-9-11. Their war on us is like 100 years old. And it's not about who leads it. It's about the forces that keep converting generation after generation of young men, angry young men. It's funny how we talk a lot about angry young men. They drive the world. It, It just depends who's pointing them in what direction. I don't want to pretend that I care about the Deshaun Watson thing more than I do, Christian, but mm-hmm. I'm a little confused about it. So the news came out today that they're suspending him for six games at the start of the NFL season. This is the guy that was the quarterback for the Texans and went right. up to Cleveland and got a huge deal. And there's about two dozen, I believe, women uh, who claim that uh, he uh, sexually made advances on them and forced them to do things and so forth in the context of getting a massage. Um, I, so either he did these things or he didn't, right? I mean, yep. you can't be a little pregnant. <laughs> right. If, if he did these things, if this is all, and I understand now almost all the women have settled. I think there's only one case outstanding, but we, we don't know what that means. We don't know that that necessarily means these things did or did not happen or which version is true. But... I, I don't get the six-game suspension. Like, if he really did this stuff, six games is nothing. Well, Jack, and if he didn't do it, then you shouldn't be suspending him at all. Right, right. I mean, you get the feeling there's a little bit of PR involved, and I'll just say this. I don't call on Deshaun Watson for, for massages, right? But I do know this. 
if I'm a Houston Texans fan, I am laughing all the way to the bank yeah. with all those draft picks. Yeah. If I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. happy. Not happy at all. Well, they weren't. I mean, they weren't too happy to begin with, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, and if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, let's face it. When have you been happy? You know, I mean, it's a good point. It's been a long time, but uh, we'll see. I just. There's a lot of stuff in sports that uh, that vexes you like this because you want to say this is sort of like you know splitting the baby or giving yeah PR giving everybody a little bit of something. Um, if if he has been wronged, if he is a man who's been taken advantage of by predatory people that know he's rich and famous, then there shouldn't be any suspension at all, and he should stand his ground and get a lawyer and what have you. But well, if he did these things, he's he's scum. And a six-game suspension is insulting to, uh, well, to to everybody. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. So, I was in the airport in Boston yesterday when the news came about Bill Russell, and it was really, um, I guess, I guess the right word would be interesting. It was it was a phenomenon to see the news spread. So here you are with a lot of people and we live in an age where everybody's carrying a, you know, a phone. So the news is sort of rippling and spreading and people are buzzing about it and hey, did you hear? Did you see in there look, you know, people are showing each other their phone or you know, did you hear? Did you know what I just found out? And um Bill Russell is a is a figure in in the history of Boston that's really hard to to categorize, I mean, it, it, it's 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 way beyond the admiral. It's it's just it's something else. And he came to the Celtics and was a star player, which is one thing. And if that's all he had done, uh, he would have a place in the pantheon of that city. But then he became their coach. In fact, he became their player coach, which nobody does anymore. But they were having a very hard time replacing Red Auerbach, who had been the longtime legendary coach of the Boston Celtics through all those championship years when they were a dynasty. <clears throat> and he wanted to retire. This was 1966. And they approached, the team did, several former star players to see if they would replace Red Auerbach. And they didn't want the job. I think there were four or five, uh, four that I know of at least, that were offered and said, no, thank you. One of them was the legendary Bob Cousy. And Bob Cousy is the one who suggested, why not get Bill Russell? Well, Bill Russell was still playing and not ready to retire. So they worked out a deal for him to be the player coach. And the thing about any new coach is that if you've been a player on the team and then you're hired to coach the team, the guys still see you as, the, as a peer. But they can't. Now you have to be their boss. Now you're their now you're their coach. It takes a very unique person who already commands respect. You know, anybody can be given a title. They can give me a title. It doesn't make me a leader, right? You can be a manager and not be a leader. You can be a coach and not be a leader. It takes a very special person to be able to, in the blink of an eye, have so much respect from his peers that he instantly becomes, and he was a successful coach immediately. And they won titles as a player and a coach under Bill Russell. 
And the other thing I was thinking about as, as I got the news on Bill Russell was that Boston is a complicated city when it comes to race. I'm from there, so I can say this. People up there think that racism is a Southern thing. They think it's white hoods and, you know, burning crosses, and they don't have that and they don't do that. But, you know, as with any problem, the hardest part of any problem is denial of the problem. So their problem with racism in a city, <clears throat> in a city like Boston is they have it and they don't believe they have it. And that's the city that Bill Russell came into. Last city for many, many things when it came to integration. I mean, the, I think the Red Sox were one of the last major league teams to integrate. Um, and here's Bill Russell, a black star on a mostly white team in a very white city. And then he becomes the first black head coach in the NBA. And it just tells you what kind of a person he was, what he was made of. And um, the racism up there was very pernicious and very real and deeply denied, not confronted. There's a famous photograph. This happened when I was a kid growing up, and I remember seeing it on the front page of a newspaper sitting on the kitchen table. And it was a, it was a photograph that ran in every newspaper in America a day later. And won a Pulitzer Prize for the photographer, and it's a picture of a of a of a white man with a big American flag on a metal stanchion, and he is running it into and ramming it into the chest of a black man, who's being held. Each of his arms is being pinned by these other guys, so they've got the 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 black man who's in a three piece suit. They've got him spread eagle, and the white guy is jamming the the American flag, into his abdomen. And um, that is the city that Bill Russell was setting the tone in. And he had a lot to do with making things better, healing things, overcoming people's stereotypes. And I know that today a lot of athletes are trying to capture that lightning in a bottle. They want to be social change warriors and leaders. If, if you are wanting to know how to do that, study Bill Russell. Because he went to maybe one of the hardest places, maybe the hardest place to do it, and by the end of his time there, had commanded a tremendous amount of respect. And there were people that cheered their lungs out for Bill Russell's Celtics, even though that went against every grain of their attitude or stereotypes about race. It was transcendent. And that's why yesterday when people learned of his death, it wasn't just historically interesting or I remember him. or It, it, it was personal and powerful, and historic. 210-599-5555. That a man that was hit with the flag was just walking by a demonstration. He had nothing to do with it. He was a lawyer. And um, he was walking along. He, he's, he's done many interviews over the years. I think he's still alive. 
And he has said, you know, I, I was feeling really good that day. I was an attorney. I was successful. Here I am, an African-American man, making it in a, in a profession that's mostly white. And did not even know what he was walking into. And the next thing he knows, he's in this photograph that goes all around the world. And you can Google it. If you just Google Boston flag stabbing, it's, it's one of the most famous news photographs probably ever taken. I'm, I'm asking the question not to be a, a chooch as we used to say in the old neighborhood, but because it's made a list, the Riverwalk has made a list put together with TripAdvisor data of the most beautiful places in the world, and it's actually considered the fifth most beautiful site in the United States. And it's hard to know if that's a sensible choice, only because when you say beautiful places, do you mean like only places in cities? What if you like beaches or mountains or forests or, you know, so um, I, I would say this about the Riverwalk, and I'm not a widely traveled guy. Many of you have probably traveled a lot more than I have. And I, I say this in sincerity because uh, it, it was definitely when I saw it the first time, it was definitely very striking. I'd never seen anything like it. And they're not making stuff like that anymore. You know, cities don't have anything like that. Cities are trying to copy it. They're trying to capture it. But it has to be, for the Riverwalk to be the Riverwalk, it has to be old. And it has to be, you know, uh, like broken in, like weathered. You know what I mean? These new ones that they try to do where they try to copy it, just it, to me, just looks kind of like a theme park or something. So I, it's a very soothing place, very quiet uh, when it's not filled with tourists. Um, it's a, if you live downtown, I think it's a great, you know, part of living downtown. I can be honest. I don't go there very often cause I don't live downtown. Uh, so I probably would not have ranked it that high, but apparently people, according to the data from TripAdvisor, people see it and they love it. What do you think? 210 599 5555. I, I, I don't, I don't know how you make a list like that, you know, cause again, you're, you're comparing apples to oranges to plums to I guess I would say if the list was strictly like downtown features you know of 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 American cities I'd say okay yeah that's that's one of the prettiest downtowns of any American city I've ever seen but 2105995555 so um we're going to hear from the president about the drone strike on Zawahiri. And um, we're going to have, I guess, it's already started, sort of predictable uh, political spin on this, right? So everybody's got an angle on what this means politically or what this, who this benefits politically. We had a caller earlier say, could this be something that, that helps Biden's approval ratings and the, 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 the deep trench that the Democrats have dug themselves into. I don't really see that, do you? People aren't um, imagining their own economic misery. It's quite real. And the more you tell them it isn't, the more you, if anything, insult them. So I'm miserable and insulted. I don't think that's going to work. I don't think saying, hey, look over here, look, we did this thing, I don't think that helps. 
I also think, and we had a caller earlier mention uh, the book The Looming Tower, which is about the long history of radical Islamist thought and the way it's amped up and, and agitated young men uh, in the Middle East against the West. In other words, the reason we have Al-Qaeda, the reason we have ISIS, the reason we have Muslim Brotherhood and all of this is because generations of young men have been told, taught, ingrained that their lives suck because of Western civilization, because of Western decadence. And so anything you can do to strike a blow against the West is worth it, even giving your own life. We don't understand, I believe, the full measure and the full depth of what we're up against. And the proof of that is that our first inclination when something like Zawahiri happens is to look at it through the spectrum or the prism of our two political parties. They don't care. You're up against people that don't care about Democrats or Republicans. They don't care about red or blue or you know, who, which team you root for, and they don't care about any of that. You're part of Western civilization. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I don't care what your religion is, or even if you have one. You're part of a civilization that they have been told is the bane of their existence. And they have been told is so weak and so rotten that all it needs is one more good push, one more shove, and it will just fall down, fall apart. And they believe they're administering the final push. And what's maddening when you start to figure this out is that more people haven't figured it out. You know, we, the stuff we think divides us. And, and, to be fair, we do. We disagree about many things. It pales in comparison to the divide they see between them and us, all of us. And when I say Western civilization, I mean the West. I mean Europe, North America, South America, our allies in Asia. I mean Western civilization. People that use the Internet. People that have divorce. People that watch porn. People that go to, you know, ball games or movies or eat McDonald's. That that to them that's all part of a of a of a rotten, riddled with corruption thing that that they are going to rid the world of. And that's what we're up against. And that's and so when you kill a Zawahiri, which understandably you have to do these things, what have you really accomplished if they take that to mean, aha, uh-huh, we had them right. Look at them. They don't even come to fight us. They don't even they press a button. And they don't risk any any uh damage. They don't take any chances. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. Don't take me wrong. I'm not taking their side of it. I'm not, I'm not faulting the administration, whoever it is. If you've got the intel and you've got the target and it's the guy, I understand that. But 
from their point of view, what we just did, apparently, reportedly, is actually what they hate the most. All right, so listen in on KTSA to remarks from President Biden. He was deeply involved in the planning of 9-11, one of the most responsible for the attacks that murdered 2,977 people on American soil. For decades, he was the mastermind behind attacks against Americans, including the bombing of the USS Cole in 2000, which killed 17 American sailors and wounded dozens more. He played a key role, a key role in the bombing of U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, killing 224 and wounding over 4,500 others. He carved a trail of murder and violence against American citizens, American service members, American diplomats, and American interests. And since the United States delivered justice in bin Laden 11 years ago, Zawahiri has been a leader of al-Qaeda, the leader. From hiding, he coordinated al-Qaeda's branches and all around the world, including setting priorities for providing operational guidance that called for and inspired attacks against U.S. targets. He made videos, including the recent weeks, calling for his followers to attack the United States and our allies. Now, justice has been delivered, and this terrorist leader is no more. People around the world no longer need to fear the vicious and determined killer. The United States continues to demonstrate our resolve and our capacity to defend the American people against those who seek to do us harm. You know, we, we, uh, we, we make it clear again tonight that no matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. After relentlessly seeking Zawahiri, for years under Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump. Our intelligence community located Zawahiri earlier this year. He had moved to downtown Kabul to reunite with members of his immediate family. After carefully considering the clear and convincing evidence of his location, I authorized a precision strike that would remove him from the battlefield once and for all. This mission was carefully planned rigorously minimize the risk of harm to other civilians. And one week ago, after being advised that the conditions were optimal, I gave the final approval to go get him. And the mission was a success. None of his family members were hurt, and there were no civilian casualties. I'm sharing this news with the American people now, after confirming the mission's total success through the painstaking work of our counterterrorism community and key allies and partners. My administration has kept congressional leaders informed as well. When I ended our military mission in Afghanistan almost a year ago, I made the decision that after 20 years of war, the United States no longer needed thousands of boots on the ground in Afghanistan to protect America from terrorists who seek to do us harm. And I made a promise to the American people that we continue to conduct effective counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan and beyond. We've done just that. In February, our forces conducted a daring mission in Syria that eliminated the Emir of ISIS. Last month, we took out another key ISIS leader. Now we have eliminated the Emir of Al-Qaeda. He will never again, never again, allow Afghanistan to become a terrorist safe haven because he is gone and we're going to make sure that nothing else happens. You know, it can't be a launching pad against the United States. We're going to see to it that won't happen.
This operation is a clear demonstration that we will, we can, and will always make good on the solemn pledge. My administration will continue to vigilantly monitor and address threats from al-Qaeda, no matter where they emanate from. As Commander-in-Chief, it is my solemn responsibility to make America safe in a dangerous world. The United States did not seek this war against terror. It came to us, and we answered with the same principles and resolve that have shaped us for generation upon generation, to protect the innocent, defend liberty, and we keep the light of freedom burning, a beacon for the rest of the entire world, because this is a great and defining truth about our nation and our people. We do not break. We never give in. We never back down. Last year, on September 11th, I once more paid my respect to Ground Zero in New York City at that quiet field in Shanksville at the Pentagon and at the Pentagon, standing in the memorial at Ground Zero, seeing the names of those who died forever etched in bronze is a powerful reminder of the sacred promise we made as a nation. We will never forget. The memorial also bears the quotation from Virgil. No day shall erase you from the memory of time. No day shall erase you from the memory of time. So we continue to mourn every innocent life that was stolen on 9-11 and honor their memories. To the families who lost fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, friends and co-workers on that searing September day, it is my hope that this decisive action will bring one more measure of closure. No day shall erase them from the memory of time, today and every day. I'm so grateful for the superb patriots who serve the United States intelligence community and counterterrorism communities. They never forget. And those dedicated women and men who tirelessly work every single day to keep our country safe, to prevent future tragedies. It is thanks to their extraordinary persistence and skill that this operation was a success. They've made us all safer. And to those around the world who continue to seek to harm the United States, hear me now. We will always remain vigilant, and we will act, and we will always do what is necessary to ensure the safety and security of Americans at home and around the globe. Today, we remember the lost. We commit ourselves to the safety of the living. And we pledge that we shall never waver from defending our nation and its people. Thank you all, and may God protect our troops and all those who serve in harm's way. We will never, we will never give up. All right, remarks from President Biden. He was standing on a balcony with the Washington uh, Monument behind him. Uh, he, as you know, has a rebound case of covid so i guess that's why they put him outside and um he was announcing the news that we've been reporting over the last hour plus um confirming what has been reported by multiple uh news outlets that um ayman al-zawahiri the leader of al-qaeda was killed in a cia drone strike over this past weekend and that it's being announced only now as the president just said, because they wanted to verify that the mission was successful, that they had uh, killed him, that there had been no other uh, casualties, that there would be no mistake uh, later on. Um, and 
this speech, I'm sure, reminded you as it reminded me of moments that uh, other American presidents, well, every, every American president since George W. Bush has had a moment like this, has had a speech uh, like this. Um, how, how does it strike you to hear this? And how does it strike you to hear uh, President Biden saying it in his manner and putting his uh, spin on it? Tell me what you think. Forty-five on KTSA, and we just heard President Joe Biden at the White House confirming uh, a story that's been in the news over the last, I guess, ninety minutes or so. That over the weekend, a CIA-operated drone uh, fired two Hellfire missiles at a target that they have confirmed. They say they have confirmed to have been Ayman al-Zawahiri, the what the president called the Emir of Al Qaeda which is an interesting use of the word. Uh, but anyway, the, the, one of the successors to and one of the inside circle people to bin Laden back during the 9-11 uh, planning, and that they got intel on where he was, they felt confident in it, uh, They, the president said they, they rigorously uh, designed a plan to minimize uh, any civilian or innocent person casualties. They didn't kill any members of his family, the president says. Again, this is what they're saying right now. Um, what do you think about this? 210-599-5555. And we're all going to react to this from where we stand and where we sit and how we... But if you think about it, we really should be able to recognize that this isn't this isn't Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Boris Johnson or you know what I mean. This is really Western civilization versus a movement that, for about a hundred years, has been mobilizing and infecting young men in some of the most poor, miserable places on earth, to live their lives, to devote themselves to bringing down Western civilization as the, as, the bl- as the blame for their troubles. You don't like the way you live. You don't like poverty. You don't like not having this or not having that. It's their fault. And I, I just, I, it's, it's a mismatch, you know. We... We keep doing these things that are moments, you know, these high-five moments, and I'm not saying I'm against it because I'm not, but you're against, you're facing something that is infinitely more patient and m- much more devoted to its ideas. Like, say what you want about radical Islam, but they believe in something a hell of a lot more than most of our leaders believe in anything. And then pivot. Where else are we worried in the world? Oh, we're worried about China. We have the Pelosi thing with Taiwan. Okay, well, 
the Chinese are again in a long view circumstance. I mean, they're thinking long term about building and 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 earning domination, superpower status, and we just don't. We're we're not devoted. We're not. We don't have the the, the attention span. We get easily distracted by other things. We are divided against one another. How does that end? How do you see that ending? I mean, how does it work out when one side has this sort of, you know, enslavement to an idea, and the other side is like, bright, shiny object? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm rooting for our side. But it frustrates me all the time. I wasn't sure about this one. Do you think the Riverwalk is overrated? Because in a new survey, it is considered one of the top ten most beautiful tourist sites in America. Uh, Do you think the Riverwalk is overrated was our question on the JR poll across all of our platforms tonight. Yes, 57%. No, 43%. Fairly close. And we heard the president's remarks about the uh, drone strike on Zawahiri, 210-599-5555. John is on KTSA. Hi, John. Hi, Jack. Um, I was trying to connect the dots on this missile strike in, uh, into current events, and I started thinking old school was I know where you live, and new school is I know your GPS <laughs> and this guy, this guy had to be on the targets ever since nine eleven. And mm-hmm. you know the convenience and the political gain of the timing of this is why I'm trying to, you know, uh, you can't, I can't trust anybody anymore. So that was my observation of it all. I just when you say I you don't trust, do you mean you don't trust that they got him, or do you think that they timed the getting of him for political purpose? I, yeah. Well, why why do it now then? Why not do it right before? Why not wait and do it right before the the election? Well, this is just the first of a bunch of October surprises. I see. But, okay. Uh, I think the um, I I had predicted that there would be assassinations with current events. Everybody's yeah. twisted up so bad. Yeah. I wonder if, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and it's a good theory, John. I just wonder if we're even at a point where enough people would care enough about this news that it would have a political uh, payoff. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're talking about many years ago, if you're talking about, like, Bush's presidency and even Obama's presidency, I think you could say, yes, um, the pain is still fresh, the memory of 9-11, um, we're we're still looking at the president as a wartime commander in chief, but this president and his predecessor did so much to 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 say no, I'm not a wartime president. We're getting out, and they've taken that as a measure of whether you're a good president or you're doing a good job. They've basically taken that off the table. We're not we're not rating Joe Biden by how effective he is against terrorism. I don't know. I don't a single person who who's wondering about that or factoring that in and so people will hear this and they'll think of it what they will they may totally believe it they may totally disbelieve it 
They may be somewhere in the middle. But I, I, I just think the, the machinations of politics means that other things now matter more. You know, okay, you got them. Well, you didn't get them. You gave the order for people whose job it is to get them. You let them do their job. But that's not going to change how I vote, is it? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Something to wonder about, and we'll continue our query into all this tomorrow. We're live between 4 and 7 on KTSA, or you can find the show on demand anytime on the Jack Riccardi page at KTSA.com.